Hey everyone, it's Josh coming to you with the rare Monday Bobus interview. So this Wednesday on the show, we are celebrating our 100th episode, which we are so excited about. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the seminal 2000 immersive sim, Deus Ex. Now we wanted to get a sense of what working on the game was like. So I reached out to J. Anthony Frankie. Uh, he worked as a quality assurance tester at IonStorm, which was the studio that developed the game. And uh, if you're at all familiar with Deus Ex, well, you've probably already heard his voice. I'm JC Denton. My vision is augmented. How about I ask you a few questions? How's the raid going? How about a soda? Did something go wrong? What are we waiting for? How's your daughter? Is that God you're talking about or just a bunch of new age crap? What a shame. Over the course of a half hour, we talked about Jay's career in acting, the process of making such an influential game, and how Deus Ex continues to be so resonant 23 years after its original release. Hope you enjoy. So today I am thrilled to be joined by J. Anthony Frankie. He is the original voice of JC and Paul Denton in Deus Ex. Jay, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing, Josh? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, I am so excited uh, to talk a little bit. You're you're actually in Melbourne, Australia, so we had to set this up at kind of an odd time, so I'm glad we were able to make it happen. It's story of my life. Um, anytime anybody wants to talk to me, it's like, yeah, you know I'm in Australia, right? So... It's one of those I'm things. a night owl, so so we're we're all good. You um, are one of I will say that you are one of the few people that didn't make me go and do the uh, the, con, the the time conversion. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, we're 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 all about the uh, the comfort and convenience of I, our guests. I appreciate show. it. I really do. <laughs> uh, so Jay, first question for you: When is the last time that somebody asked you about Deus Ex? Uh, uh, yesterday. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 constant. Yeah, it's I get asked about it quite a lot. Um, and it's surprising considering how long ago this game was released. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you know, when you look at the game, it's kind of not surprising as well. So, is it just it's, people like reaching out to you online, talking, walking up to you yes. on the street, being like, "Hey, you sound like that guy." Well, like, what's uh, what does that look like for you? No, yeah, no, no, nobody, nobody on the, very few people on the street. Uh, although one guy at a at a um, uh, gaming con here in Melbourne recognized me and did. Uh, do the we're not worthy thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, dude, get up, please. That, yeah, like, that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was nuts. A little um, weird, yeah. It, it was, but I appreciated it. It was He was being funny. So, yeah. um, But no, it's uh, usually online. Um, once every couple days, uh, somebody will send me a question or some query regarding DSX. So. And what do you usually do? Do you reply? Do you talk to people? I mean, you replied to me. Yeah, I usually, I talk to, I, you know, I talk to, I, I was on a television show as well. Yeah, um, in the '90s, um, and and I I I just I, I'm I'm just a dude, and everybody else is just a dude or a, not a dude, and and um, I, you know yeah, I just talk to people. So um, yeah, I, yeah, I usually I usually respond. So I, why don't we talk about that exact thing? The show you started out as an actor. Uh, there was a teen sitcom on NBC, California Dreams. Uh, it's my understanding that these were surf dudes with attitudes, kind of groovy. Surf dudes with attitudes, kind of groovy. We were kind of groovy, yes. <laughs> so uh, what was that like, and, and, and how did that feel? And then also, how did you get from California Dreams to working in video games? Um, okay, so basically, um, yeah, I got the role. I uh, had been auditioning for years and years, and I been, did small parts on uh, stuff like uh, General Hospital, Married with Children, um, Bodies of Evidence, mm. um, just a, a, a bunch of stuff. I did a few commercials, and, um, and then uh, auditioned for the part of Jake in California Dreams. 
and uh, got it. It was like six, uh, five or six auditions later, um, the last one being in front of all the network executives. And so that was particularly terrifying. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, and I ended up getting it. So that was good. Um, then the show we did, um, I think a total, uh, there, I came on on the second season. Um, and so altogether, I think there was a total of like 86 episodes or something like that, which is a pretty good run. Yeah. Um, so then we, we ended, um, and I was, I was, um, I'll be, I'll be Frank, uh, my last name's Frankie, but I will be Frank. Um, I was, um, very much into altering the mind and partying at the time. And I was doing a lot of it. And I think I basically, I just came into the mindset where I was like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to get out of this business for a while. Cause I'm going to die. Like that's literally, that was the thought I was having. Like, I'm going to end up dying. Like this, this is just crazy. Um, cause no matter where I went, people were handing me stuff and you know, it, I couldn't like, you know, I, I couldn't get away from the stuff that I enjoyed doing. Right. Um, but I knew, I knew I needed to. So I, I basically just stepped away and lived on my savings for quite a while. Basically squandered a small fortune, um, just living on it. So what year was that when you uh, left the show? Uh, we finished filming in 96. I think okay. it finished its run, its main run in 97, and then went into syndication. Sure, okay. So I was able to live on uh, the small fortune I had acquired and able to live on uh, residuals for quite yeah, a yeah. while because we went into syndication. Support the striking and, SAG actors, please. Do it, do it. Uh, they need the uh, money. Right, and I am, actually. Um, I, I, I just started to try to get back into acting just literally a couple months ago, basically. Very cool. Um, and... Uh, this happened, and, but it is what it is, and I'm 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 happy to be striking as well. So yeah, and I would have back then as well. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, so then, um, uh, I I saw my money, my my savings were dwindling. I still had plenty coming in, and and but it was still dwindling enough. And I was like, I got to work, and and I, I I had a guy living in one of the rooms in my house. And he came back, he said, dude, man, you'll never guess where I'm working. And I said, where? And he said, Activision. I was like, you fucking what? Yeah, hell yeah. You're, you're doing what? I'm sorry, doing what? And he said, playing games, QA. I was like, what the, f- are you freaking sure. serious? What? So uh, basically, um, I, I he hooked me up with the person that hooked him up. And, and then within like two days, I was working at Activision as a QA guy. Um, and then... Um, they were layoffs and they laid off a bunch of the QA guys because we were new. Sure. Um, but then when they had to rehire people, they hired me back cause they liked me. Um, and then they sent me to, um, Dallas, um, to, for a game, I think it was fighter squadron screaming demons over Europe. Okay. And they, they basically needed, they needed an embedded QA guy at the, at the studio that was working on it. And at that point, you already had, I imagine, a fair amount of experience. And so it was like, oh, you know, he's, Jay, he, he's our guy. He'll, he'll get the job done, that kind of thing. At that point, I had, yes, I had accrued quite a bit of uh, yeah, yeah. experience at that point and pretty much knew what I was doing uh, for the most part. Um, so ended up meeting somebody there, ended up moving to Dallas um, for a while, and then got a job at Ion Storm. Okay. Where... Um, uh, apparently, Daikatana was going to make everyone their bitch. Absolutely, John Romero, um, known on, for doing that. <laughs> yes, and honestly, to tell you the truth, like you know, it, it's unfortunate that um, everything turned out the way it did, but it's really not a bad game. No, like, and, and the... I've also heard nothing but good things about like John Romero as a person. That he's just a he's a he's right. a 
he's a mensch to actually get along with. Yeah. Right. He was fine. The, the studio was great to work at. Um, we were treated well. Um, the game was actually pretty good. It just was unfortunate that it came out with, uh, that it took so long to make and it came out with the technology that it came out with that the, the Unreal Engine was already out right. at the time. And there was just a bunch of things, but it was a, it was a, it was a pretty decent game when it, when you look at it like that. But anyway, so you just want to clarify something ahead. too. So you were you you QA Daikatana at Iron Storm in Dallas. Yes. Cool. Yes. And then um, the uh, QA manager said, "Hey, I want you to be the lead on Deus Ex here okay. in in the studio." Um, and I said, uh, "Yeah, man. I, I don't even know what that is, but what, sure, um, okay." And then, um, and then I got my first build, and I honestly, I played for about an hour, and I think I I took off my head foot because you know we're in a, an office, mm -hmm. and you know, um, fifty fourth floor of the Chase Tower in Dallas, a massive right. building, top floor. Infamously, um, I, with the, uh, the the glass overhead the glass blinding overhead. everybody as it comes down onto the computer right. monitors. Absolutely, and I and I actually um, like leaned back in my seat, took my headphones off, and I said, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, holy shit! This yeah. game is. I mean, I'm only playing an out like a, such an alpha build, but I was already going. This is nuts. Yeah, this game is." crazy this is this is going to be massive but at the same time i had no idea like exactly how massive i'm curious about the early state of the game you know in early qa because obviously making a game like deus ex uh is something that would require a truly insane amount of playtesting because they were trying to do so many new things right right um how did the game change and iterate over the course of that qa process do you remember I, 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 it's so long ago. I just remember that it just kept getting better. And, and yeah. the, the stuff they added, like in, in a lot of games I've worked on, there's been stuff called a, a thing called feature creep mm -hmm. where devs just kind of add stuff without telling you. And, you know, you don't really, you, you don't know that you need to test this thing. Um, whenever, I don't think it was ever done intentionally on Deus Ex, but whenever something came up that we that I found that I wasn't told about or we weren't told about, it was kind of exciting and awesome. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a lot of projects, it was like, oh, damn it. Oh, not man. Oh, they added this thing. Now we got to figure out, okay, it's all right. We yeah. got to make a test a checklist and yada, yada. With this, it was like, oh, wow. What the, holy crap. <laughs> so it was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the bugs that I had found, I think it was, I had shot one of the guards with a sniper rifle from pretty much as far as as far away as you could shoot somebody mm -hmm. and i think i was aiming for his neck or something and i and and i did this a couple times i aimed for his head it was fine i aimed for his his body it was fine he just dropped but i hit him in the neck and he would turn upside down and just start running like <laughs> kind of moving around. it was really really weird but um but yeah no it was always always exciting to get a new build um and always happy to plus the fact that you know this was a war inspector game too i'm well, sure right. i don't need to right so because it was a war inspector game as well it's like ah, okay yeah whatever man just throw Did, it at me and, and you already knew i'm sure about war inspector's <clears throat> reputation by virtue of having worked in the industry for, for a few years right yes absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely had you played any of his other games before working on Deus Ex? Yes, uh, yeah, there was Wing Commander, which mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, System Shock, Wings of Glory. Uh, Crusader was badass, I loved mm -hmm. Crusader. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then he did the, obviously the ultimate one that he did. And then um, also, after we did Deus Ex, um, getting Thief, 
yeah uh, was was a, that was like oh okay this is and that was that game was just so spectacular it was ridiculous so it was, I love it thief, was just yeah. like yeah so and and even even the new thief is actually pretty good as well so i wasn't expecting it to be but so question then about like moving from the world of sort of the qa and dev side of things into the voice acting side of things uh how'd you get wrangled into that gig i mean i was i was sleeping there um at the at, at iron storm we were working on daikatana and then i think one of the sound producers uh who who i had gotten pretty close to at the time basically said to me like hey we, we went out for drinks or something like we took a break and we we're like yeah. let's go let's go get a couple beers and a couple shots in us before we come back and you know work at 10 o'clock at night and whatever um and uh he basically said something like hey say uh something like uh, hey uh, i'm gonna rip off your head and shit down your neck um like in a gravelly voice so i i did it i, I was like i'm gonna rip off your head and shit down your neck yeah yeah um and he was like okay cool man do you want to be uh this this character jc denton and his brother paul in this in the in the deus ex game um and i can't remember if that was before i started working on it or and i but however i did say yes basically it just it just came down to being at the right place at the right time and having had experience acting and that guy knowing it and then also we had to you know decide like okay is is jc you know he's a he's pretty much a cyborg you know mm -hmm. for the most part yeah his vision is augmented famously yeah famously and and he's actually he's he's augmented like his mm -hmm. everything's augmented or he, it becomes augmented so basically um we just had to decide like is this a guy that's emotional is this a guy that's not emotional yeah and it was like, um, no, this guy, this guy has no emotion. He's got no. He is, um, he's as deadpan as it gets. Yeah. And that's that's what we went with, and it, it ended up working pretty well. I thought uh, most people love the work on it, but I've had a few people say like, oh, it's the most terrible voice acting I've ever heard. There's like no emotion in it whatsoever. It's like, well, that's well, thanks. Yeah. That's what we were, <laughs> a choice was made. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what we were going for. But okay, cool. Well, and um, the thing is too, I think that I, for some reason. I did not realize until this playthrough and then looking up your bio that you did both Paul and JC. I, I did yes. not realize that. And I think one of the things that makes their relationship so cool as brothers is that you're playing both of them and you were able to find different things in their different characters that differentiate them from each other really, really right. interestingly. Right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. No, I, it was basically like, uh, you know, one is a guy that's he's an agent. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not heavily augmented and he lives his life pretty normally. And then you got JC, who is a literally a product right. of, of the agency. So of UNATCO. So yeah. So they are two different people. And I appreciate, you know, people who pick that up, you know? Yeah. Well, and I guess I, I'm also just curious because like we on our show, we all have like theater, acting, directing, whatever backgrounds. So, <clears throat> yeah. you know, the process of building a character as a performer is something that's really interesting to me. I'm wondering if like when you went into the process of finding who those characters were, what what do you think like drives them? Like how what how do they differ from each other in terms of what they see in the world and how they see it? <sighs> wow. I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, I would say um, Paul. Paul would be more. Again, he would be more emotionally driven. Mm -hmm. um, he 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 cares about things, and he is. I, I think I think we had it that he was um, a moral being. Um, 
Whereas JC, um, you, well, you, obviously you can make your own choices. Right. <laughs> um, but um, I, it was really weird because I had to, we had to do it in a way that you could make your own choices with JC and it still makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much where the deadpan came in. Um, it became most important. Yeah. Because uh, an amoral, all the, if you make absolutely amoral choices and I'm, you know, and I play this as a, as an emotional moral guy, right. That's obviously not going to work and vice versa. Right. So yeah. So th that was pretty much the setup. I will say this. I think it's both easier and harder in different ways to build a character vocally than it is to do it physically and vocally. Why is that? Um, you're able to use your, when you, when you do it in front of the camera, you're able to use your body to convey a lot of things. When you do it behind the microphone and nobody sees you, you have to use your voice to right. convey the things you want to convey. Now with JC, it was, it was very lucky because I think there was like 11,000 lines of dialogue or something for JC. Um, with JC, it was very lucky because, again, there was that deadpan stuff. Mm -hmm. But with Paul, I had to convey like this, hey, JC, you know, it was right. a little bit different. You know, um, it was a, he was a different dude. So it's it it's a little bit harder, but at the same time, it's easier. Like, I don't know. It's very hard to explain. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you have to be there sort of. Sure. Or be me sort of thing. Well. I think the point that you make about Paul is is interesting, right? Where it's like he does have so much greater range, obviously, because unlike JC, he's he's not just this fully augmented, uh, you know, cyborg type being. But there were there are a lot of different like if you really track his journey from end to end, Paul's whole journey, he has a serious arc. Like he goes from a place of being. I would say like optimistic, but also a little, you know, having to be cautious because he's got to, yep. you know, keep his his part in this parallel conspiracy covered up. Going to a very, very vulnerable place, actually, when JC meets up with him in Hell's Kitchen. And then, of course, yep. at the end, he sort of has to also serve as JC's conscience in a way when he talks to him. Yep. What was when it came to like finding that journey and going on that journey with the character did you find anything along the way that felt profound for you about yourself or the world or anything like that? Or was it just, ah, I'm, I'm here reading lines. Um, like now it's almost like I'm sitting here going, yeah, I was just reading lines like yeah. now, but back then it would have been a different experience. Um, and I wasn't, and obviously I wasn't just reading lines. That's the thing. Like now it's, it's, it's such a distant memory. Mm-hmm that it feels like, yeah, I was just reading lines back then, but I know back then, like, yeah, I would have been, I don't remember exactly, but I, I know me myself, I would have been looking at this going, what the fuck am I supposed to do with it? Like, this is, mm -hmm. this is kind of weird. Like I have to, okay, I have to, with this guy, um, talk to JC almost as if he's resolving, um, conflict within myself yeah. as Paul. Yeah. And I need him to do it for me. And he has a choice to not do it, but I need right. to convey to him that I need him to do this for me, but not manipulate him because JC won't be manipulated. 
Yes, yes. Well, and I think that comes through really effectively in that scene in Hell's Kitchen. Like, you can I sort of hear that. Paul breaking a little bit. He's just like, I, yeah. I, I don't know how to ask this. And even, like, as he says, like, no, like, you know, go out the window, don't worry about me. I think there's just that small little bit that you can hear that keeps you persuaded to be like, no, fuck it. I'm going YOLO. I'm, I'm going to blow up these Majestic 12 goons and save Paul's fucking life. Yeah, honestly, you just, I'm starting to get a, 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 a little snippets of Mary back, and I just got like goosebumps um, actually right down my spine. Yes, it was a, um, it was pretty, it was pretty um, surreal um, recording that stuff. I, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say about that yeah. at the moment. But yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that stuff again. Yeah. So what did the actual recording sessions look like? Was there a, a studio? You, you were in Dallas the whole time, right? So I'm assuming there was yes. a studio at Ion Storm that you, that you worked at, or was that offsite? Well, the game was being made at the studio in Austin. Right. I was at the studio in Dallas. I did spend time at the studio in Austin, and we had a, we had a sound studio. Um, okay. I, the, 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 the studio at Dallas was, was a developer's dream yeah i'm that, sure that was that state place. of the art right just everything Every, that place was insane and yeah. plus you know there was there was cubby holes to nap in there was i think a pool table foosball there was you name it it was a video yeah. game you know um arcade game it was just the place was nuts um so yes yeah, so we're recording in in dallas and um the basically we would work and do the qa all day right and then we would start recording um, in the evening. Oh man! For for me, they would record other people um, during the day. Sure. And, but there were times I got to stop doing QA, and they actually had me come in as a dialogue coach for some of the people. Oh, interesting. So some, so some of the people, um, like we had some people, some actual Chinese people for the Chinatown mm -hmm. um, um, section, um, come in and do some lines, and the inflections they were doing were not what we wanted. Mm -hmm. So I had to go in and say, okay everything you're doing is perfect we just need you to inflect it this way mm. um and then there was other people um uh, without accents who who just didn't inflect things correctly and they got the part but we needed them to do it we didn't want to have to look for more people and this is a question that i have about just like the recording process too is right were you like doing all the reads on your own was there a director who was working with you uh, what what did that side of it look like in terms of your own performance? Um, for the most part, um, I remember not. I remember like uh, the director, the guy who was the um, sound director. Um, yeah, I got some direction from him, but for the most part, I pretty much remember him just going like, "You got this." Like, sure. we're yeah, let's just yeah, we're just gonna keep doing these. You, you keep like yeah, I do. I, I remember a lot of these. You know the the the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. OK in the booth, the okay, yeah. in the booth, the OK symbols. It like a lot of them. After I would do a line, uh, I think there was a bit more direction with the with the Paul and JC interactions. Sure, there was. I think there was a a little bit of. I seem to recall a tiny bit of direction with the Simons and um, JC interactions as well. Were you ever reading with partners for that, or were you on your own always? Usually on my own, always. Okay. Okay. Um, I would hear, they would play the, if I needed to, I'd be like, I really need to hear, um, if you don't, like, if you, if you have it, I need to hear what this dude said. Sure. Sure. Um, so they would play me, um, the clips that they'd already gotten of like say Simons or Gunter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then I would react off that. 
Cool. Um, so, which is why a lot of it does sound like it's we were all in the same room. Right. Sometimes. Well, it in, in in I guess too like I this is something that has changed in video games a lot, right? Voice acting yes. and the process of recording. It is, you know, you look, you take a look at a game like, say, The Last of Us or, or Red yeah. Dead Redemption 2, right? It's this yep. hyper-realistic uh, Hollywood-like approach to the process of voice acting, animation, and everything else. Whereas with Deus Ex and a lot of games from that time, it really is just a, you know, we're going to put you in the studio, you're going to say the lines, and then A-OK. -okay. And, and we're going to give you this little amount of money and, yeah. and see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, but I think that part of, for me personally, what makes the voice acting in Deus Ex so memorable is that there is, for a lot of it, this sense of, like, it's kind of like, at times a campy like it, it feel it's a little bit b movie it's a little bit like you know we're out here to say some things but also like it's happening in this world that is so elevated I, right. I'm, I'm wondering like how much of that sort of feel the, the, the sort of characteristic deus ex feel which i think is very strong uh was intentional and how much of it was just the result of building a game at that time with the limitations of the the unreal tech and the production environment I can't. I can't speak to um, Warren Spector's um, intentions um, when he was when him and his designers were putting this together. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine knowing. I mean, I, I, you know, if you played some of his other games, I would imagine there was a bit of both. Right. Like he, he like he he intended it to be a bit. You know, I mean, this is all about conspiracy theories. I had somebody right. ask me. I don't. I don't know if you watched the um, the the panel I did at PAX. In, I did. Yeah. In, in Melbourne. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, did you, I don't remember if this was part of what was being filmed, but uh, there was a question and answer and a girl asked me if, if, if I thought that a war inspector was, um, uh, um, a prophet or, or mm. if he had predicted these things. And I, I was basically like, well, um, no, like he's a, a very, very intelligent man. And I think these things are like cyclical. Like we go through these periods where people just latch on to conspiracies mm -hmm. a little bit more than they did 10 years ago. Right. And I can't, we're going through that now again. Yeah. I mean, and now I, it's even more intense than in the past, for sure. Right. And I think he's, I think he was playing to that. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I can't, I can't speak for him. I'm just, that's, that's my own take on it. But I think he was playing to that. And I think he was having fun building this based on, based on the whole conspiracy-minded person. In terms of your approach, I guess, to JC, did you want to lean more into his seriousness, his his campiness? Like, what was the balance there for you? It was, it was nice to be able to go in and know that no matter what, I'm doing this guy this way the whole way through. Yeah. That was, that was um, comforting. And, and it made it easier, especially considering there was 11,000 lines or something lines of dialogue that JC was doing. Um, however, when I did get those some of those ridiculous lines, yeah, um, it was fun to do those in that way. Right, right. And, and, and just doing them in that way was fun, but there was no other way to do them. Like I couldn't right. do them any other way. That, that was makes the sense. Thing. Like, you know, it was just, but so it was like, yeah, I had to lean into the seriousness all the time, but inside in my head, I'm like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. And I think that juxtaposition between the very like serious minded delivery and what he's saying, that is what creates the humor of it in many ways. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, 
what that Deus Ex obviously was released won a great deal of acclaim. We, we anybody listening to this probably knows that. Um, what happened for you after the release of the game? Uh, did you stick around at Ion Storm? Did you go on and do other stuff in video games? What, what happened next? Well, we well the game won a. It not only did it get critical acclaim. I think one magazine gave it Game of the Year two years in a row. Yeah. Well, I mean, which which justifiably which so. Like, well, yeah, which is like, what? They're like, nothing beats this game yet. Like, right, it's right. still the best game. Of the, it's a game of the year next year. Right. Like, that's just how we're looking at it. Um, also, it got a BAFTA, which right. is the British uh, Actor Film and Television Awards, like the, the British version of the Oscars. Right. That's crazy. Like, the game, <laughs> this, I was in a game that won a BAFTA. Like, that's yeah. nuts. Anyway, yeah, I was at Ion Storm for a little bit longer. Then I uh, picked up and moved back to Los Angeles. Started working at uh, Activision again. Okay. Um, and worked on uh, so many different games. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I, I actually I were I was the lead on the Korean bloodless version of Quake Three. Huh. Yeah. So which we actually I think uh, oh and I did um, a version of Tony Hawk where they took out all the music. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Right. They took out all the music and replaced it with early K-pop. Oh wow! For the Korean audience, yes. So I'm gonna have to. Little... I'm gonna have to track that down. That ISO. That sounds pretty fun. <laughs> that exists, um, and you might be able to track it down. Um, there's yeah. There's a bunch of little fun little things that like uh, um, that I was part of. But like I, I I do like to think that I was just I was kind of there for a bunch of different milestones. Like I was at Activision when Quake Two released, mm-hmm. and that was massive. Um, I was at Activision. Um, <clears throat> when uh, the, the Spider-Man released and, uh, you know, different, you know, different massive games. Um, also worked on Tenshu, um, Stealth Assassin, um, just a bunch of uh, battle, the uh, the re- reimagining of Battlezone. I don't know if you remember that. Um, that's an excellent, uh, another one as well. Um, Dark Rain, um, just, yeah, all kinds of different stuff. So um, yeah, went uh, Activision for quite a while. I moved to Vegas, did some stuff, did some television production work out there for a while. Oh, cool. Then went from Vegas back to California, but Ventura that time, and then from Ventura back to Vegas, from Vegas to Melbourne 15 okay. years ago. And that was because you, you met somebody? I married uh, my, yeah, I married my fiance, Tracy. Yes, she, and she is an Aussie. She's an Aussie lass, yes. Very nice. Uh, yep. So what about now? I mean, do you still are you still involved with video games at all? Do you still stay in touch with the Ion Storm people at all? Um, I am in touch with a few people from Ion Storm. Um, I was working in video games up until 2019, and I got a job at uh, Black Magic Design. Oh, okay. Which, which I'm sure you're familiar with their products. Yeah. Um, they make we make some awesome stuff. Yeah. High quality um, uh, I, AV hardware. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I tell people. It's high quality AV hardware, and we make a lot of. It's all high quality, but we also make a lot of um, AV hardware for uh, people on a budget who want to do stuff from home. So if you're a studio, we got stuff for you. If you're a uh, 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 a home YouTuber, whatever we got stuff for you as well. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, any, but yeah, so I, I do um, uh, quality. I'm a quality assurance uh, senior quality assurance analyst. Oh, you there. stayed in the QA game. Okay. Yes. Yes. So um, I, I do see that you are in this room right now, kind of surrounded by guitars. Uh, I, I'm assuming that music is a big part of your life as well. Um. Yeah. 
<laughs> for for context, uh, Jay is currently panning the camera. I'm looking at three guitars, an amplifier. There's a fourth guitar. Very good. Um, yeah, um, I, I I dabble. Uh, it's it's my Zen thing. I just yeah. I just I turn on some backing tracks or I write my own track and then just play just to just to. It's kind of a meditation um, yeah. thing. Um, so and and we used to sort of play on the show. Yeah, well, I saw there. There is something you've got like something coming up, don't you? I saw, you're coming to New York. Is that true? Yes, there's a. Um, basically, we had our like 30 year anniversary of our show um, last Amazing. year, the year before. I don't remember. Um, so it was like 30 years ago. I'm 51 now. I was 20 when I started on the show. <laughs> um, and um, basically, we still have enough fans that that show us the love. So um, Jenny Kwan, who played Samantha Wu on my show, I played Jake Summers. Um, Jenny Kwan decided let's let's get the band back together. Very literally. And and have have a meet and greet and uh, a little a little show uh, with the fans in New York City during the, during uh, uh, the same week as uh, New York City Comic Con. Very cool. Um, so we are doing that. That's going to be at the uh, Stitch. Uh, thanks for letting me plug this. Actually, hey, that's, that's what be... I'm. <laughs> it's a podcast. Awesome. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that's going to be at the Stitch uh, uh, Bar and Blues in Manhattan. Um, and then uh, you go to my Instagram or my Facebook and just scroll down or whatever, and you'll be able to find links to buy tickets. And yeah, very cool. Come on uh, down and see us. We'd love to see you. We'll uh, put a link. Even in... Deus Ex fans. Yes. Even Deus Ex fans. <laughs> I will be bringing. I will be bringing Deus Ex pictures as oh, well. Oh, very good. Case. Now, if if somebody walks up to you and bows down and says we're not worthy, will you kick them out? That's the question. No, in fact. Act, I'm going to demand the whole room um, follow in suit. I think no, that makes no, sense. Yes. No, I will tell them that there's no need. No need. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the notes. So uh, oh, check it. out Thank that you. link if you're in the New York City area. Uh, <clears throat> I am. So, yeah, maybe I'll be seeing you in a couple months, Jay. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, any other uh, thoughts or anything that you wanted to uh, say before we uh, close out here? Um, just that... Um, like I never would have imagined that uh, Deus Ex would have become quite the cult classic. Like mm. I knew it was good, and I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be awesome. But like that, we have people that that almost live and die by this game. Um, I'm one of I them. Mean, yeah, I, I don't mean that as an insult or anything. I mean that as a, that people love this game. It's it's awesome, um, and that we have people that still love it and still want to care about it. I'm I'm honored. I am absolutely honored. Like I'm honored to have been a part of it. Um, I think uh, it, being part of it was it was uh, I was there for a milestone. Like this game was a milestone in gaming, and now it's this it's this cult classic. And again, yeah, I'm just honored to be a part of it. I'm honored that people still want to talk to me about it. I'm honored that you reached out, which is why, of course, when you reached out, I was like, well, hell yeah, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. we're I mean, look, we're we're honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and spending some time uh, with me today. Um, I appreciate it. So yeah, that's that wraps up this interview. Um, I listeners will catch you on Wednesday for the release of the full episode. All right, thank you everybody. Appreciate it and uh, a, a bomb. <laughs> oh, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to this interview. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, we've got a lot more stuff just like it on our podcast, The Worst of All Possible Worlds. You can check out our website, which is worstpossible.world, our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash worstfall. And of course, don't forget to check out the whole episode on Deus Ex when it drops on Wednesday, August 16. We've got Jay showing up, 
in a very special place that you might not expect. So check that out. Hope to see you soon.